You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode and uh, we've got a little bit of a story to tell you in a minute. Um, I was talking to Nick who is joining me for this episode. Hello Nick. Hi Simon, good to and, be back. Yeah and um, we were talking um, you know, about what we were going to discuss and we were talking about uh, Apple TV and whilst that uh, was happening um, I got a text from uh, Cutie Melon saying that the Apple TV app would not let her in with, uh, you know, the password she had and was it correct and uh, so on and so forth. So I said, yes, that's correct. So I went to the uh, Apple ID site and entered the details for the account for the uh, Apple TV, you know, our App Store account and it let me in um and then i got a thing saying uh it's been locked no doubt because it was uh not recognizing cutie attempting to unlock the apple tv um and this is something um i've talked about before with this thing where uh, apple's id server suddenly stopped recognizing your password even though it was perfectly fine and you've entered it from the keychain um and it just won't have it um and it happened uh i don't know not long ago actually to um it certainly happened to my boy the other day um now it's happened again to uh the account we use for the uh, you know the app store and uh itunes and all that um so i had to do i thought oh we're gonna have to do the whole rigmarole so i just went um, to the Apple ID site uh, again, and it said, your account has been locked for security purposes, which uh, previously is always a right fag because um, it says you have to reset your password. Um, somebody at Apple must be listening because when I did all the dance of uh, entering the account, um, verifying my, you know, uh, the security phone number, getting the verification code, putting that in, it then said, your account is unlocked. And now normally that will say, you must now enter a new password, uh, which as I just said to Nick, is why a lot of my passwords have ended up with variations of why don't you bloody well remember it. Um, <laughs> um, but now it comes up with two buttons, unlock my account and unlock my account and set a new password. Um, that's new. That is completely new. That's come up in the last couple of days, which is great because in the case where it's refusing to take your um, your password, you don't have to reset your password and then go around altering it on all your devices, which is a relief, to be honest, because um, otherwise, sometimes you've got in a loop, you'd have to come up with password after password. So there you go. Um, whether or not Cutie Melon is now uh, into the Apple TV, I don't know until I speak to her later, but... Uh, there we go. Um, it's one of the, it's one of the problems we run into now, isn't it, with the um, the complexity of of and security. I mean, we all want to be secure, and one of the one of the uh, complications of that is that password resetting. And I think I think I told you the last time I spoke to you about the problems I have using um, First Direct as a bank because I only use them occasionally. I only use it as a savings account, and um, 
so I only log in once in a blue moon. And when I do, I always forget what the passwords are. Mm. And uh, I end up having to ring them up. And then it's even more complicated because you're supposed to have two separate passwords. And then you've got all this ID stuff that you're supposed to have on top of that. And I can never remember any of it. So it always takes about, sort of about two hours to actually, <laughs> to no, actually just like get into to, the account. You have to verify everything and, you know, oh. Yeah. I, I know. It's, and, uh, you it's know, a bit of a pain. It is. I mean, obviously, my boy's only 10 years old. So quite often, you know, it'll be, Dad, I can't get into this, that or the other. What's your password? I don't know. So I go to my notes and, I'll, you know, get my keychain out and I look and then I'll find this. <laughs> Half a dozen different passwords for different things, and oh lord! And then it's like, yeah, and then it's like to verify, we need to send a text to your phone, and it's like, but I haven't got that phone anymore, Dad. I've got a new one with a new number. Oh lordy, lordy! Luckily, and I... while and while we were at it as well, I mean, we were also talking, weren't we, about that? That really, I mean, Apple ought to sort out its accounts thing. Oh yeah, the fact, definitely. The fact that you know most people <laughs> probably in the in the whole world, have all got more than one Apple account and would really like just to have one. Just the one. There's I mean, no I'm, way of doing it. I'm quite lucky in that I only ever created one. And, um, you know, as I said before, I, I, when Apple offered the option to uh, change the email address associated with that uh, account, I changed it from my Google mail address because I stopped using Google um, and changed to iCloud. And it gave me the, the, you know, dire warning. If you change to iCloud, you'll never be able to change the associated email ever again. Uh, if you change to another third party, you can change it. I'm not sure you can change it at whim, but you can change it a couple of times a year, I think. So um, yeah. anyway, that, but I opted, no, I'm going to I'm going to go with my iCloud because it's for Apple. And <laughs> I'm never going to not have the Apple iCloud, uh, you know, email address, whether it's my primary account or not. Um, mm. But yes, I mean, um, my son has got two... Um, Apple IDs, you know, one tied to his uh, Google account, one tied to his iCloud account. I've tried to get him to not use the Google one because you find the, you know, you'll find one device is signed into one and one is signed into the other, and then the passwords don't match. And why isn't it syncing? And oh, it's a nightmare. Uh, <laughs> it is. I mean, I'm actually... sure. I'm sure a lot of people have the same problem, and it's. Uh... You know, and Apple can't merge them. I yeah, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be beyond the wit of um, Apple. I'm sure to be able to do no, that. And, I mean, I understand. Yeah, just, just get I verification under... from you that that that's what you want to do, um, especially because quite often uh, I've ended up buying most of the stuff on one account, but I have actually bought one or two other things on the other account as well. So I've now got two things which are two different email addresses against them. Mm. Uh, it's just a mess. It's just it a bit of a mess. And they, I mean, they just um, sorted out. long, long before um, Apple started uh, family sharing as an option, uh, we decided a long time ago because my wife was the one who, you know, bought stuff on iTunes and and, and the like that we would use her uh, Apple ID as the one that we used to purchase stuff from iTunes or the App Store or whatever. Um, which of course does have the added. Um, complexity that if somebody else, i.e., you know, uh, Cutie Melon or whatever, enters the password incorrectly too many times, that will lock the account. Um, which is, you know, <laughs> none of this is none of this is is great. Um, I also know for a fact that I have some stuff in iTunes I cannot play. Um, 
because it says this machine is not, uh, you know, authorized for this content. Um, right. and it, and it brings up, um, it brings up an email address from like about 15 years ago <laughs> from a company that as far as I'm aware, doesn't even exist anymore. So, oh uh, dear. you know, I, I, I think my wife's machine can play that content, but at, at some probably because it's been authorized. But at some point, you know, when that machine dies, we whatever that content is, it's going to be we're going to be locked out into the ether. <laughs> we're yeah. not going to be. We'll have it on the hard drive and not be able to play it. It'd be crazy. Um, there we go. Well, um, <laughs> that wasn't going to be the main thrust of this show, but there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that is Tim. If you're listening, sort it out. Sort it out, mate. It's not good. Not a good look. You make, yeah, you make a lot of money. Put some into it. Put some of it into sorting out iCloud, rather. iCloud. iCloud, and particularly iCloud accounts. iCloud accounts. And the the one that frustrates me, it really is this thing where it suddenly decides that your password is wrong. It will just say to you, your iCloud, you know, login is incorrect. And it's like, it's not. It worked yesterday. It worked an hour ago. It worked on my iPhone. Now you're telling me it doesn't work. It's the most frustrating and annoying thing. And you only get about three attempts to log in and then it says your account's locked. I'm assuming yeah, I was... that's, I'm assuming that's yeah, where they've put this new thing in that you don't have to change the password. Just, I verified who I am. Can you please unlock my account? Yeah, I mean, that's better, isn't it? Better than it was. Um, again, we were talking about just before the show started that... Um... Having having these two accounts means that you end up doing things that you wouldn't you wouldn't do if if you weren't forced down that route. Um, so um, I have uh, an account which has almost everything on it, um, and then I have one account that just for some reason I can't remember why originally, um, it's just my email. So my email is on a different account to all my machines, <laughs> and. Uh, which is really annoying. And uh, recently I got an, uh, a message from Apple to say, um, actually, your iCloud storage is filling up. Um, can you log in on one of your devices and, and upgrade it? So I'm quite happy to upgrade it. But, of course, all my devices are logged into a different account. <laughs> so uh, I, don't, I can't remember how I did it. I think I did it on my iMac eventually. It offered me a login so that I could log into the other account and upgrade it. But oh, it shouldn't be that hard. No, it shouldn't. It should not be that hard. It really shouldn't be that hard. Um, there you go. Right. Well, there we go. That's that one. So yeah, again, yeah, it's rant over. <laughs> sort it out. Uh, well, this week, this week, quite a lot of news actually. Apple have released the AirPods Pro. Um, in fact, I think a day after uh, Steve and I last week were saying, mm, maybe, maybe there'll just be a soft launch for those. Um, and indeed, there was. Uh, reviewers have gone bonkers over them, um, saying how wonderful yeah, they are. Yeah, people seem to like them a lot, don't they? They yeah. do really seem to think they're very, very uh, good. I think um, my point of they're view is... They're also very, very expensive. <laughs> very, yeah, my point of view was, yes, they might be very good, but at 250 quid, you can keep them. Sorry. Um, I'll stick with my, you know, 15 to 30 quid ones. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I don't care, you know, noise cancelling or transparency features or not. Um, no, I guess if you use them all the time, I'm sure maybe. But my other problem with that is, you know, they're still only going to last you a couple of years before the batteries clap out. Yeah. Um, the other thing is as well, I mean, I mean, I have got the original um, AirPods. I eventually 
like a lot of these things, I think I'm not paying that. I'm just not going to. Oh, okay. go on then. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I mean, they're, they're really good devices. But yeah, in the end, all I do with them is listen to audio podcasts. <laughs> I, I don't even listen to much music on them. So the music quality of them is completely irrelevant. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just listening to low bit streamed um, audio most of the time. Yeah, mostly in mono for that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, compressed yeah. audio. Yeah, compressed MP3, low bit rate, mono, um, which is why, yeah. I. Yeah, which a lot of us geeks are, let's face it. Yeah. We, so we do a lot of listening, mostly to the voice. <laughs> I'm quite happy with my, you know, Goodman's... Um, ones which i think were about well cost person who gave them to me about 30 pounds i think and before that my chinese ones which having um not used for a while i i fired up and they seem to still be working i mean the batteries aren't in a aren't great but uh they're still going there we go uh that's, that's pretty good really because i i tried buying some of those didn't i but they yeah. kept dropping out for me i do yes so, i did uh... find i did find that they suffered from uh dropping out um, particularly with my Mac. They were better with my phone, strangely. Oh, right. <laughs> and it was mostly my phone I were using them for. Also, of course, quite often I would only use one. Um, I tended to find that, uh, you said my, that I put them in my ears uh, and, and uh, then I put my phone in my pocket and I'm a fairly, um, shall I say, generously proportioned person. <laughs> built for comfort. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's right, built for comfort. <laughs> and therefore, um, yeah, it has to go through an awful lot of me to actually get <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so I think it's probably me that makes them drop out more than anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, but they, those cheap ones did suffer from it. Even the Goodman's ones suffer from it. In fact, I'm convinced that the Goodman's one contain exactly the same chip inside them because they yeah, have my, the same, my, um, same my Apple woman. ones do as well like, on occasion. There's, it, it's, it's a bit weird. There's one particular place when I go out for a walk at lunchtime. Um, so this is in Coventry. If you happen to go through Coventry. Uh, there's a there's a, a, a I, I tend to go walking in a <laughs> this is going to sound a bit weird I go walking in a in, in a graveyard at lunchtime uh, basically because it's nice and quiet and there's no one there um, and um, uh, just as I'm crossing the road to get to it it drops out and it does it in the same place every time so I'm wondering whether there's some sort of there's got interference some, there's got to be some sort of interference there hasn't there got to yeah yeah. Could be I coming mean, off a you know a building or a yeah, I don't know. Could, could could be an electricity main underneath the road, even giving off a. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, that, that's the sort of thing but, that would. But on the whole, it doesn't. Uh, on the whole, they're very very good. No, but, I, that's one yeah, thing I've heard. You know, that is one thing I've heard that they are very very good for that. But there we go. Um, so there we go. They've been uh, you know been given a lot of love on the internet. If you're prepared to spend two hundred and fifty quid on your AirPods. Bro, um, go for it. Yeah, go for it. I mean, you know, it's not. I'm not going to tell anybody what they should do. Uh, you know, and let's face it. I guess if you're talking about the more high end of audio, you know, three people often spend three, four, five hundred pounds on noise cancelling headphones and whatnot. I wouldn't, but that's me. Um, yeah, because I'm too tight <laughs> and too poor. <laughs> Uh, be, oh, well, that, well, there is that as well. Yes, I, and I also think that uh, um, sound quality is very subjective. Um, mm. I often, you, you sometimes get people who are absolutely obsessive about the sound, and um, they're so obsessive about the sound they're not really listening to the what what it is they're listening to. <laughs> they're they're more obsessed by the quality of the sound. Mm. Um, 
than they are actually li- enjoying the music that they're listening to or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those sort of people. Don't know, the, the, you know, the upper bass uh, quarto was slightly muddy. And <laughs> it's like... <laughs> that's right, yeah. Really? It's the middle tones. They're very blurry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Whereas, you know... For me, you know, if it's just playing and I can hear it and it's not that's distorted, it. that's fine. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, I, my wife bought an Amazon Echo Dot. In fact, we've got two now. Um, the boy has one. Well, the kids have one upstairs um, and there's one that's often in the kitchen. And uh, although I'm not a huge fan of it, it, it uh, I mean, I do use it, but mostly I use it yeah. when I'm cooking and I say, hey, lady, play me uh, Planet Rock. And then it just puts on the Planet Rock radio station. In effect, they use it as a, as a radio. I, you well, know, fair I, enough. I just, but that's it. I don't ask it to do anything smart or, or, or at all, or ask it questions. I just tell it to play music. It's effectively just a. And yes, people will say, "Well, the, the terrible low-grade sound comes out," which is good enough for me, mate. If it's loud enough for yeah. me to hear the thrashing guitars, I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's 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 no, it's no good. It's not room filling. Yeah, what if your room's a broom cupboard? It's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> precisely. Anyway, there we go. Horses for courses, I'm sure. Um, yes. But, yeah, yeah. I've never been exactly what you'd call an audiophile. Um, there we are. Well, no, no, me. I mean, I'm a musician, but uh, no, I'm not. A- Obsessive about sound quality, not not at all. No, as long as it's not, you know, as long as it doesn't sound like it's coming out of a broken nineteen sixties pocket transistor radio, then it's fine, isn't it? Can yeah, you hear or, the words or, and or, the, right. the tune. <laughs> That's I right. can or, hear the words in the tune. Com- that will do. As if someone, it's coming down a string, you know, <laughs> into <laughs> yeah. a cup. Yeah. yeah, but then again, as long as it's better than that, we're fine. Yeah, but then again, that's that's laughing at that. That's also considered to be a life hack, isn't it? If you're listening on your phone through the speakers, put the phone in a cup so that you get better sound. Oh right, yeah. Have you have you never heard that <laughs> yes. one? I've never, no, I've never tried that. It's actually quite good. I have been known to do it. Uh, if you put your what I do is get a big, a fairly big mug, and then I'll. Yeah. If I was going to play the music from my iPhone out of the speakers, and obviously the newer ones, some comes out of the earpiece and some comes out of the speaker at the bottom. But right, if, you, yeah. if you put uh, the phone into the cup or mug, large mug, really, uh, with the yes. bottom speaker in the bottom, you will get surprisingly better sound. Oh, it's using the using the phone as a using the uh, mug as a soundboard, effectively. Yeah, it's using it as a sound chamber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, simple... there's, there's there's a sound. So in a piano, you have a like a wooden panel at the back, which which is a soundboard. Yeah, which is doing effectively the same thing. Precisely. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. There we are. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on. Let's move on a bit. But I'm not um... carrying a mug around. I'm not carrying a mug around to listen to my iPhone all the while. That would look a bit silly, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, um, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen them. There's a, there's a silly novelty. Uh, I don't know if you can still get them, but certainly a few years ago, there was a silly novelty um, uh, called iPhone amplifier. And it's a, like a silicon thing that slid over the bottom of your iPhone, uh, you know, oh, right. where, no, where the speakers go. And uh, it had like a... Um, an ear trumpet slash old-fashioned gramophone oh, right. on it. all made out <laughs> of like silicon rubber but uh yeah, yeah it was quite amusing um <laughs> yeah oh dear um apple tv went live apple tv 
um, Plus, that is, the Plus streaming service. Mm. Trumpets, clanging cymbals, rolling of drums. Meh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, Cutie has, um, you know, had a new iPhone on contract. Um, And so, obviously, we get, as a result, uh, three years access to this service, which is nice, I suppose. Um, I took a look at it. Well, at the moment, there's seven shows. Um, yes, that's it's not the, exactly a lot, is it? Not what you'd call an avalanche of content. Um, no uh, no doubt if we were on Bart's show, he'd be saying, oh, yes, but it's the quality they're going for. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not sure that seven uh, TV series shows. I mean, it, I said in the Slack, you know, I, I don't... They're going to have to pick that game up pretty damn quick. I mean... There's no doc, you know, where are the documentaries? Where are the music shows? Where are the, you know, where's anything other than these sort of TV procedural shows? Um, yeah, I suppose they've got a bit of time. As you say, I mean, they, it's a little bit like they've got like an, uh, they'll have uh, an automatic audience, won't they, for a little while anyway, mm. um, because of people who have bought devices this on this occasion. And that's going to be a, a few million, I expect. Oh, I think um, probably, you know. A, yeah. We, well, actually, we'll get so, to the earnings call in a minute, and we'll we'll sort of. So the so the big question will be in twelve months' time when they all come to an end, how many people will stay on it? So, well, of course, I mean, for uh, probably over the next year, they're going to continue to giving it giving it away. So I suppose, in theory, they've got themselves two years worth of audience. Uh, right. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. It's sort of yeah. a rolling audience. So, um, but to be honest, so I've watched I've watched a couple I've watched a couple of episodes of C. Um, I watched yes last night. I watched the first episode of C. Uh, I really wanted to like it. Uh, it's not terrible. I found yeah. the kind of premise a little bit silly. Um, there were parts of it. I, I know they're supposed to have been blind from birth and everybody's been blind for a long time. And so, you know, their society is built around nobody being able to see, but I still felt it was a little bit silly. And I didn't think the overall um, background story was particularly original. It was kind of outsiders pursued by the zealot witchfinders. Um I'll give it a chance. I will see, because as you pointed out before the show, Nick, lots of shows that have gone on to be big hits do not have the most auspicious openings. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll give it a go. But um at the moment I I wouldn't uh I wouldn't have paid four ninety five, is it? Four ninety five. Four ninety nine. Four ninety nine um a month. No, at the minute yeah, based on I'm not, that. I'm not I'd, sure uh, I would have done that at this stage, um, based upon what I've seen. No, but it's early days. Early it is days. early days, but they made a big thing about all this content, and I'm sorry, seven shows doesn't really cut it. Um, I, the thing I've enjoyed most so far is uh, there's a show called The Ghost Writer, um, which is a, you know basically a kids' TV, young te- sort of teen audience, I would guess, or preteen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Donnie pointed out that it seems to be very similar to a uh, another program in the 90s with the same title. Um, oh, right. They both come from um, Sesame Workshop, um, so it, it could be that it's based around the same kind of idea. Uh, it, in the Ghost Writer, um, 
again, the concept, not particularly original. Uh, kid moves to New City, um, you know, makes friends when weird thing happens and they have to find out what's going on. Um, I've watched three episodes. Uh, they're only about 25 minutes long, so it's not difficult. Um, and there's only seven episodes in t- total. As long as it doesn't devolve into literary character of the week kind of uh, format, I, I think I could probably, um, I will probably go through this. It looks like, you know, the first two are about um, Alice in Wonderland and then there's another couple about Mowgli and then I think three based around the Wild West. But um, I think I could stomach the, that. The fact is, though, for this to be a success, they're going to need they're going to need something that really takes off, aren't they? They're going to need something that everyone wants to see. They are going to need something that's really big. Um, I don't think I don't think C is going to be it. Um, I'm sorry, I can't see that being the next Game of Thrones. Um, no, I don't think so either. For all mankind, I haven't watched that yet. I suspect I'm going to enjoy that, but I think that's going to probably mostly to appeal to people of a certain age, i.e. Yeah. our age, who... <laughs> grew up yes. watching that uh, you know for whom that's that was all a thing um watching you know neil armstrong take the first step on the moon and all that that's all part of my the fabric of my youth as it were um indeed but i'm just thinking you know where are the movies where are the documentaries where are the music shows where are yeah, I mean, the only one of the things that I'm hoping is going to crop up is there was a lot of rumours that they were going to do um Asimov Foundation series show. Right. Oh, the, um, yes, there was, wasn't there? Yeah. That Which sounds could, interesting. That could be really, really good. Whether they could capture the general public's imagination with that, because that's, and I think a lot of people might be turned off if they're not into sci fi the minute they see Asimov. And just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's true. More, I don't know. It could be a really good show. It could be that could be something like Game of Thrones if if they got it right. Um, I tell you what, I found a little bit disconcerting um, is is the way you get to it on the Apple TV. So you have to go through the Apple TV app. Um, I just found it a little. It wasn't immediately obvious where the content was. I didn't think. No, that is true. I didn't really think about it, but um, also, uh, like I was watching this morning, I was watching some of the shows I watched them on my Mac, on my laptop. Yeah. So um, you kind of you go into the Apple TV, and then there's all this, you know, the Apple TV app, and then there's all this stuff, uh, you know, all mixed in together, the iPlayer and all sorts of things. Yes. And it was That's like right. Prime. If you've got Prime, yeah, Prime. Uh-huh. There's all these shows jumbled up, and I wasn't really immediately clear how to get to that just the Apple TV stuff. Um, no, I mean maybe that's their purpose. Maybe they want it to be like that. But I just found it a little bit um, confusing. I was expecting there to be a, a you know, here's your Apple TV Plus stuff. Yeah, <laughs> very and, much. And, so, and I'd go in there, and there it would be. But no, it wasn't that it's obvious. I mean, maybe no. I'm missing something. I don't know. But I, yeah, see, I'm like you. Uh, I mean, obviously on my Apple TV, I've got I've got the Amazon Prime. I've got Netflix. I never used the Apple TV app on the Apple TV. No. Because no. I, well, I've never got worked my, for us very well. You know, I've got Prime there. If I want to look at Prime, I'll click on Prime. If I want to look in Netflix, I'll look in there. It's almost like, no, can I just have an Apple TV Plus? icon yeah. to show me um, because I don't want to go into Apple TV and then have all my Prime and Netflix and BBC and all that all jumbled in there. It's a confusing mess. There we go. Um, I guess we'll get used to it. Whether, 
I mean, obviously, I've got a year of it for free, so I'm going to probably, yes. unless I get bored, you know, rigid. Yeah, so ver- very, first imp- very first impressions, because, I mean, I'm, I'm only taking this from watching two episodes of one of the programmes, but very first impressions is uh, good try, must try harder. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> mine mine immediately really was a bit, well, as I say, meh. Um, if, I would, if I took a seven-day trial of that, I doubt I'd be joining. I'd be going, really? I don't think that's worth a fiver of my money. Um, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, though, if I was checking it out for if it was costing me money, I'd, I'd obviously find more time to watch it and mm. and try out some of the other programs and that but sort of thing. A, so The uh, trouble is there's not many programs. Can... Just... Well, no, no, but perhaps we can talk about it again in another uh, another month or so. Oh, yes. When we've all had a chance to watch a few and, and, see, and, how and see what develops. we develops. But it, yeah. it, for something that was so trumpeted as a launch, it was a bit of a bit of a damp squib, really, for for me. Um, yeah, I didn't open I know it and go, oh look, look, look at all this shiny stuff. I mean, yeah. the Americans seem quite taken with the morning show thing, but I mean, that's of absolutely no interest to me whatsoever. I'd <laughs> probably rather watch. No, I've no idea what it. No idea what it is really, but it's a drama <laughs> about American newsroom type. Right. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think I'd probably rather sit down and be forced to watch endless episodes of classic Coronation Street. <laughs> um, and that's saying something. <laughs> oh, Vera. There we are. Um, what I, I saw something on Points of View earlier on, uh, uh, people complaining how depressing EastEnders is. <laughs> and, and I thought, hold on a minute, isn't it meant to be depressing? <laughs> it always has been, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, I think that... That isn't. I've always thought isn't part of the point of these soap operas, which are always you know everybody's always riven with you know strife and with angst. misery yes. and angst and and terrible <laughs> terrible. You know they've all got cancer or their mothers have died or you know their child's been hit by a bus or something. There's always something terrible going on. I thought well, that was half the point is to make you feel better about your life, even if your life isn't great. You go well, at least it's not as bad as that. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, you know? agreed. There we do. Um, yeah, yeah if, if if we have got any American listeners, I've no idea. We we never talk about our listeners, do we, Simon? But uh, no, not do really. You, have we got any American listeners? You know, uh, we've got. Well, oh, I mean, other than the other than the ones in the Slack, of course. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I I don't really know because we don't pay enough for our host for them to tell, give us a geographic uh, <laughs> oh, right, breakdown. Okay. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I well, think... so EastEnders, EastEnders is a is a is a soap is. Um, yeah. And it's uh, and, and it is it, it, um, almost completely very depressing. Most of the time. <laughs> very, yeah, they're, they're always you know it, it, it's, it's classic. But at least so, it was the last time I watched it was which was probably about ten oh, years ago. It's always doom and gloom. It's always you know everybody's <laughs> sleeping with everybody else's wives and they're on drugs and you know. The one thing I do think about those shows is just amazing how quickly these people recover. I mean, you know, poor old Phil Mitchell, he's been, he's gone from alcoholic to drug, druggy to back to alcoholic to something else. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and they get cured almost immediately when they finally go, oh, I, I think I've got a drink problem. And in two weeks they're cured, yeah. which is always. Really I'm feeling lovely. better now. <laughs> yeah, what, actually, I know this is totally by the by. When it comes to soaps, um, mocking uh, Coronation Street as I was, but there's um, there's a character in um, Coronation Street who is uh, an alcoholic, um, and 
one thing I like about his character is that um, he didn't become an alcoholic and then get help and become cured. For They've yeah. been running that story on and off for 20 years. And when things go bad, he has a tendency to lapse back into drinking and get into a terrible state and um oh okay I've, so I've had, at least a, sounds a little more realistic <laughs> yeah i mean he's a bit of a jack the lad and all the rest of it but that's by the by um but i just i kind of applaud them for that somewhat um real more realistic yeah. stance that um you know his alcoholism is an ongoing thing which he has to contest with daily there we go um what else? The, the HomePod apparently now supports multiple users, um, but apparently it's a buggy mess, according to VentureBeat. Uh, oh, dear. I don't think you or I can really have anything to say on that, because no. I don't want, have one, and I don't think you have one I, either, do you? I don't, no. No, again, that's on the, it's probably lovely, but at 300 quid, I can find something better to do with 300 quid. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a shame that... It... Apple seem to be having real problems at the moment, don't they, with with uh, with bugs generally? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of chat around the release of um, Catalina and iOS 13, and now it appears HomePod's latest update isn't. Uh, yeah, all it's cracked up. Yeah, this is the only trouble with companies that grow and grow and grow, and um, their their software gets more and more and more complex. Is that eventually you end up with uh, uh, something that's a little bit so so large that it's really difficult to keep track of. And... And also, of course, I think I I don't think sometimes people pay enough attention to the fact that um, Apple is effectively integrating all of its products and that that integration, uh, people have come to expect it to be perfect. And when it's not, that yeah. disrupts your... Um, you know, disrupts your whole ecosphere. Um, you know, the the days of your laptop being your laptop and your phone being your phone and your TV being I, I your admit, TV I, are kind of gone. I find it a little. Because... Yes, that's true. I, I I agree entirely, and I I do find it a little bit frustrating when I hear people. So at one time we used to have two yearly updates to iOS and well most things, um, and then they from what. I think I remember them saying so that we're going to go to yearly ones, uh, but we won't be doing such big changes because mm. we'll be doing them more regularly. And now people are making excuses for them and saying, oh, the reason there are so many bugs is because they're having to do it annually. Um, so what do we do? Do we go back to two yearly or do, or, 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 or do we go to even longer than that? I think um, I, I don't with, know. I just feel that sometimes people are just making excuses for. I think with for Apple putting out stuff that isn't quite ready. With iOS, I think they've kind of painted themselves into a corner because it was kind of you know new iPhone comes with new OS every year. Um, yeah, the Mac, maybe. the Mac less so. I don't you know nobody said you had to do a yearly OS release. You didn't no, used that's to. True. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just saying that in in some ways they've chosen to to, to do this themselves. Yes, um, they uh, have. But, but 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 you may be right. It might be that they've painted themselves into a corner where they're they're really having to release stuff before. I mean, I I work in an IT company and um, we do have programmers, and I know it's not always easy to integrate things into complex systems. Um, and I understand about. I mean, I think a lot of people from outside wouldn't wouldn't understand uh, that stuff has to go through 
um, you know, we have to first of all work out whether that's something your customers would want. It then has to go through change control, and it has, you know it has to go through a lot of stages before you actually get to the bit where you actually write code. And yeah, I so I, I just think that um, I think people would appreciate, in some ways, having to wait a little bit longer if Apple could get it the stuff better because they used to be able to, and it's only this time it seems to me that there's been a. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've not run into any problems with iOS 13, but I've heard a lot of people have. I haven't, you know, I mean, you know me, I live out there on the beta bleeding edge and um, Indeed. Yeah. I, I did not, have not found um, iOS 13 to be worse than any other um, OS. That doesn't mean that other people aren't having issues because my uses are fairly straightforward. I, yeah. you know, I, don't I, also, do... I also think, of course, it could be the numbers now. Oh, well, so when you put, out a piece, you put out a piece of software and you're putting it out to multi-million people, they're all, even the smallest of bugs are going to get found eventually. Yes. You know, every yeah. edge case is going to come up. This is, this is very much the case. Um, again, Catalina, I've not, you know, I've had no real issues with it from day one of beta one. Um, and I guess I, you know, at, at home on my laptop, which is where I, I run it, I haven't really, um, some people are saying there's issues with Adobe. Well, of course, I don't use Adobe at home. Um, so, you know, all my affinity apps have run perfectly well. Um, my podcasting stuff, I mean, yeah, is, you know. I did, yeah, for a little while you had to um, run off your old machine, didn't you? Because... Um... Um, for in in part, I could have I could have worked around it, but uh, Loopback, which allows you to um, virtually route audio around, um, was not uh, available for the Catalina beaters. Um, yeah, but having it, but having said that, you knew that, and I mean, this wasn't a surprise. <laughs> no, it wasn't. And what actually was a surprise was that um, some of the uh, you know some of the rogue amoeba stuff, which uh, Paul Kafasa said, you know, this won't work on Catalina, did work at least for the things no, I wanted it to do. Um, yes, I think uh, to be fair, rogue amoeba, uh, they they don't put stuff out for the betas. They say they you know work on getting a product that's ready to roll on day one of a new OS, and um, they'd rather say you know this doesn't work. Uh, then this might sort of work, but you know, don't blame us if something goes horribly wrong because people do blame you if something goes horribly wrong. So I think they, <laughs> That's they true. you know, yeah. they they just rather say this has got a red triangle on it. Don't try and run it on the Catalina Betas. Well, me being me, I did, and uh, to a large extent, it was working. Um, but loop back wasn't. I, I could have got round that. I really could. But um, yeah. I just waited until Loopback was uh, available for Catalina. Um, Having said that, that was all before um, the official release, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was so, all before the official release. Yeah. I mean, the, the day, you know, day one of official release, uh, everything on, you know, the Rogue Amoeba site was now, quali you know, now 100% qualified for Catalina. So, um, you know, you can't. I I would never criticise anybody for not putting out something that for the betas. You know, that's that's if you do that, you're you know you're effectively saying the release is when beta one comes out. And um, <laughs> yeah, which would be it's impractical. Not, yeah. It's not. And yeah. uh, you know, as some of the other people, guests we've had on, have said, you know, 
sometimes there are huge changes between, say, Beta 2 and Beta 3. They will completely scrap a whole architecture and redo it. And if you're if you're trying to build your app based on what's in the early betas, you're setting yourself up for a, for a big yeah, problem. Yeah, that must be very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. So I can, um, Im- I can imagine. <laughs> that must be horrible. Right, damn. Tear it all down and start again. Apple have changed their mind. Um, talking about things, I mean, iOS 13.2, iPhone users are angry as new update features strange bug affecting apps, according to the Independent. Um, what I've read about this is basically that the, um, the 13.2 seems to be rather more aggressive at killing off background apps. You know how, you know, when you close an app, it doesn't close. It just goes into the sort of sleep state in the background. And the OS will actually shut down apps that have been unused for the longest. Um, Oh, right, yeah. It would appear that this is behaving rather more aggressively than it has done in the past. Um, I've not come across it. I can't say that, you know, I go from Twitter to Slack to, you know, the browser and back and find that my Slack app has closed. So I, I don't know what... You know what apps people are saying are shutting down far quicker than they'd expect, but um, that apparently is uh, what some people are saying is the case. That you know they go from their browser to I don't know, you know, a, a word document, and then somewhere else, and then when they go back to their, uh, you know, they go back to their music app, and the music app is shut. Um, don't you know? I've not suffered from that. Um, and whether that's no. a bug or whether that's um, Apple being more aggressive in reclaiming um, memory, I don't know. I guess if it's upsetting people and they've dialed it up too high, then the next update they'll dial it back down again. Dial it back down again. Yes. <laughs> dial it up. Dial it down. It's one of those, isn't it? You know, we need to reclaim more memory. Okay, we'll turn that up a bit. People are moaning. Back it off a bit. Back it off a bit. <laughs> too much, boys. Too much. Oh, dear. Um, and, of course, they had an earnings call. Um, Q4, uh, as they call it, uh, 2019 earnings report. Um, another record-breaking um, quarter, apparently. Um, revenue up year on year, 2%, I think. Um, apparently, they made 33.36 billion from iPhones um 12 and a half billion on services which is uh, you know they're an ever growing category for them yeah Seven... that has, that's grown quite a lot hasn't it yeah, that's grown massively they um that's all that's almost that's more than a third isn't it of their iPhone sales now it's now nearly half not quite but it's certainly more than yes, a third. Yes, not quite half. Yeah, it is more than a third. It's so more that's, than a third. And, grown remarkably yeah, quickly. Remarkably. Um, I think Tim said that he wanted to, um, when they first launched the services, I think he said he wanted to double the revenue by 2020, and they look like they're on course to do that, which wow. means by uh, the end of 2020, they're looking at, um, I think, 15 billion per quarter from services. <laughs> Which will be almost half of the iPhone. Um, well, these, these figures are mind-bogglingly big. Mind-bogglingly big. I mean, the Mac. Well, you know, people have been the people have been saying that the Mac is, you know, nothing. It's seven billion, seven billion this quarter on Macs. Yeah. Um, six and a half billion for wearables, home, and accessories. Um, we, I mean, you would postulate that the 
AirPods are probably yes, the biggest section there. of that. Oh, that, that, that's yeah. where they live. Uh, that So they're probably uh, the biggest portion of that with Apple Watch not far behind, I would have thought. Um, yes. And at 4.66 billion, we have the iPad, uh, which only seems feeble in comparison to some of their other products. I'm I sure sometimes... there's a lot of people would love to have a 4.6 billion per quarter business. Oh, wow. <laughs> I sometimes look at these figures and have to remind myself just how big they are. I mean, mm. we see the word billion and we've just become a bit blasé about it now because we know that Apple make lots and lots of money. Mm. Um, but the, I mean, so the Mac, 6.99 billion. So that's six six thousand million. Put it this way. It's a, mil- it's a million, million devices 6,000 times. It's, <laughs> it's mind boggling. It's, it's well, that's six six point nine nine billion. That's pretty much the equivalent of one dollar per person on the planet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Indeed. Um. So they'll about... probably be all right for next year. Do you think? Yeah, I think yeah, it might be all right for them. They should get past Christmas anyway. Uh well, that's all right then. <laughs> uh, they're forecasting for the next quarter eighty-five to eighty-nine billion dollars in revenue. God, dearie me. With a gross margin of 375 to 38.5%. That's amazing. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, the numbers are just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, I like you say, um, that's a bit of Apple made all the money again. And uh, yes, I think they. I think Tim probably will be all right for sending out Christmas cards. I don't think he's going to be short. <laughs> Uh, no, maybe not. So no, sort out the blooming accounts, Apple. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You got all that money, sort them out. Sort them out. I think that might be the show title. Sort out your bleeding accounts. Right. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Nick. I think that's pretty much all of the Apple news. So um, shall we just get a fresh cup of tea while we go over to uh, John? And uh, we'll be back and have a look at the other smaller stories of the week. Um in about five minutes. So uh, over to you, John. We've been reviewing a lot of USB-C adapters here on Nemo's hardware store, but they've all been for the new Mac computers, the MacBook Pro laptops, and the MacBooks with USB-C. Well, our friends at Kenex or Kenex, K-A-N-E-X, have something called the iAdapt, six-in-one multi-port USB-C docking station for iPad Pro, the new one, the 11-inch and the 12.9-inch second generation. Cost $100 in the U.S. It is extremely well-designed and engineered and very clever. When you first look at it, you think they forgot to build it. But when you realize it literally clamps to the side of your iPad, it sort of tucks in to the upper right-hand corner of your iPad. You'll have to see the link and the photos on our show notes here at Essential Apple to turn your iPad Pro into a portable workstation. Works with or without Apple Smart Keyboard Folio. Adjust the thickness with the supplied bumper. This is really clever, so you can use it with or without a case. It's about an inch wide, three inches long, three-quarter inch thick. It has a short six-inch cable with a USB-C on one end that plugs into the USB-C on your beautiful new iPad Pro. And then around the frame of the housing, 
You've got an audio port, headphone port they call it, a USB-C port, another one to help you with power transfer, an SD and a micro SD card, and an HDMI port. So this is really useful. Then around on the top, there's a USB 3 port. So literally everything you need to turn your iPad Pro, as they say, into a portable workstation is right here on the Kinex or Canex iAdapt 6-in-1 multi-port USB-C docking station. You've spent a lot of money on your amazing new iPad Pro, and the people at Kinex have really got ahead of the game by a beautifully crafted, gorgeously designed, and extremely versatile and useful multi-port dock that will extend the range and the use of your iPad Pro in many, many ways. Because you know who you are, you iPad Pro users. And this is exactly what you've been looking for. $100 or whatever it is in your local currency is exceptional value for the usefulness you will get from this product. The website is kenex.com, K-A-N-E-X.com slash USB-C hyphen iPad hyphen docking hyphen station. Or just do a search for Kenex 6-in-1 multi-port USB-C docking station and it will come up. So check this out and keep listening to Essential Apple and Nemo's Hardware Store every week for the latest and greatest tech gear, otherwear, underwear, overwear, and you know what wear for the hardware that you have purchased and you love so much. Back next week. Thank you, John. And of course, all the links, as usual, will be in the show notes. And of course, if you'd like to buy anything uh, from Amazon, whether it's one of the products we mentioned on this show or not, if you want to help the show, uh, if you go over to the website, press the big red Amazon affiliate button and do your shopping, we will get a small kickback, which is always nice. Yes, which we can use to pay for hosting and uh, the website uh, and all that sort of thing. Thank you very much. So, uh, after all that, the uh, my daughter's issues with the... <laughs> Apple TV are still ongoing. Um, in the break, she texted me saying it's locked the account again and told me the password is no good. So um, I've attempted to unlock it and it's behave misbehaving. Um, when it says, uh, you know, use your phone to unlock it, it's only flashing up the uh, the message from Apple and uh, it's not. I'm not, you know, getting a chance to tap on it. Um, basically, as we were saying in the break, uh, Nick and I. If you're going to tie everything to your Apple ID, um, the one thing that really, really, really needs to be absolutely a rock-solid service is your bloody verification server. Thank you. <laughs> definitely this message is has been brought to you. <laughs> by a very angry parent. Yeah. Um, I d yeah. Well, I think that may well end up being the title of the show. Fix the ID <laughs> servers. Apple, you've got plenty yeah. of money. <laughs> you've made all that money. Bend a bit. Right. Um, okay, well, that's enough of the Apple stuff. Um, moving on. Uh, last week, Steve, uh, you know, despite the uh, internet breaking down, um, Steve and I were talking about this um, Google's quantum computer. Um, 
Oh, and yeah. uh, about how they said that it had proved that quantum computing was real. Um, IBM, uh, according to Wired, uh, have said that's not so. Um, right? Google uh, claimed its researchers had achieved quantum supremacy. Uh, IBM says Google have rigged the test. Um, technical quarrels between... <laughs> Yeah, between quantum They're counting computing... it wrong. <laughs> yeah, you're counting it wrong. Um, technical quarrels between quantum computing experts rarely escape the field's rarefied community. Uh, late Monday, though, IBM's quantum team picked a highly public fight with Google. Um, IBM took aim at a potentially history-making scientific results, which were apparently accidentally leaked, according to this. Um, the draft paper claimed Google had reached a milestone dubbed quantum supremacy. Um, Big Blue's quantum PhDs say Google's claim was flawed. IBM said Google had essentially rigged the race by not tapping into the full power of modern supercomputers. The threshold has not been met. Um, it will take time for the quantum research community to dig through IBM's claim and responses from Google. Um, Louisiana State University say IBM appear to have some merit. Google picked a problem that they thought to be really hard on a classical machine, but IBM has demonstrated the problem is not as hard as Google thought it was. Um, hmm. I think the whole point of quantum computing is that it's supposed to be significantly better. Yes. I mean, we're talking about... We're talking about um, sorry, I would just <laughs> I just hit my microphone then because I was swatting at a fly. <laughs> <laughs> after we, it yeah, suddenly yeah, appeared yeah. in front of my screen. After your little um, yeah halftime uh, quote uh, story, which was quite funny, wasn't it? Now, did you t tell the listeners about that story because that actually now ties in quite nicely with you clocking your microphone there. <laughs> about uh, which the, story was that? The one about the about the phone going ping. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, so we we had a, a concert uh, at a church on Friday, which was um, we were raising money for the church organ, and um, so I, I played a couple of pieces, but we also had two male voice choirs, and um, at the end they they got together and they were singing. One of them was a a local male voice choir, and the other one was from uh, from Wales, and um, they were both singing uh, a medley of American folk music and they were singing glory glory hallelujah and it, it just got to one point where they just fin finished singing hallelujah and someone's phone in the audience went ping in, in exactly the same key and exactly at the right point in between the in between the <laughs> phrases it, and it, it couldn't have been choreographed better it was uh it made me giggle i don't think anyone else heard it but it made me giggle anyway yeah, there we go. Um, what else is they saying here? Um, one of IBM's top quantum researchers and co-author of the paper says he expects it to influence whether Google's claims gain acceptance or not. Um, despite the provocative way in which IBM have chosen to air its technical concern, he claims the company's motivation is primarily to head off unhelpful expectations around the term of quantum supremacy. We are mm. not attempting to antagonise Google. Uh when I read this, I have to say there was a. I got a certain impression that, uh, to some extent, IBM were defending their supercomputer and saying actually it could do a lot better than Google got out of it. Um, All right. Uh, then it, it it goes on 
um, basically there's a, a guy at the end here, uh, Chris Munro of uh, University of Maryland. Um, his company is more interested in demonstrating the practical uses for early quantum hardware than acad academic disputes. About, we're not going to lose much sleep, he says. Um, <laughs> so it's not so much quantum um, supremacy as quantum snobbery, then. <laughs> Possibly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I... I got a certain impression from this that ibm are trying to not so much say uh google's quantum leap wasn't right but that you've dissed our supercomputer uh um, right okay yeah um and that you you know our supercomputer could have done a lot better um actually but, I mean, I, the, the, the important thing is though is if breakthrough is is real well that that then quantum computers were a real thing and they yeah they will push on the power of computers, which I, I is think, the important thing. I think the important point, really, to some extent, is whether or not it's quantum supremacy or, you know, it was as good as Google claim or, you know, whatever. I think the, the main thing that was demonstrated last week was that they made a quantum computer work. Yeah. Because that's always been, prior to that, it's been pretty theoretical. Um, yes, that's right. And, you know, there was always this sort of concern that when you get to a certain number of qubits, will the uncertainty basically bring the whole thing crashing down to its roots? Anyway, there we go. Academic is that, a little, <laughs> is that a little bit like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy lifts all ending up sulking in the basement? Yes, <laughs> pretty much, I think, yeah. yeah. Because when they realised all they've got to do is go up and go down, they just became depressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or as uh, Marv would have it, you and your bloody cheerful have a nice day. All you have to do is open and go <laughs> and ping close. and close. I've got the brain the size of a planet. You don't know how hard it is. There we are. Uh, so, uh, moving on from that one, um, that appears to be as much a, you know, professional pride slash academic spat as... Um, yeah, it sounds like it, doesn't it? doesn't it doesn't really that they haven't actually said i mean they haven't actually said either that um that what google have done isn't valid what they've said is they can't claim quantum supremacy which is seems like uh, quibbling over <laughs> you know what i mean they're quibbling over the semantics here i think um yeah it's a little bit like saying well i'm sorry your car doesn't do 100 miles an hour therefore it's not a valid car yeah uh, sort <laughs> of yeah there we are um Microsoft unveiled a new Edge browser logo, Ooh, wow. which no longer looks like the Internet Explorer logo of old. Um, what does this, it look like then? That, it's ooh, a new, it's what? a new logo to go with their new, um, you know, soon to be launched Chromium-based browser, um, and it's a sort of blue wave, you know, in a curling over like a surfer's tunnel kind of. Um, uh, so it does look a bit like a C as well, doesn't it? Um, sort of. I must admit, though, the first thing I saw thought when I saw it was, did you get the artist who did the uh, Mozilla icons to do this? Because it's terribly reminiscent of the Firefox. Oh, that's true. It is, yes. It's um, got that sort of same squirreliness about it. Yes. Um, and yeah. yes, it does sort of make a lowercase e. Um, other than that, my, uh, my thoughts were, uh, and... <laughs> you know what the icon looks like you know is it really that important it no longer looks like the e with the planet going around it really yeah. well where we are I I, sometimes you know um 
people make a big thing about changing logos and whatever. Uh, and my impression is often what yours is is when you look at it, you think, uh, really? <laughs> and, and sometimes they have, you know, they have really have a a big a big um, voting thing where you know you could you can put in your own ideas and 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 it might I don't know say the thing is called turbo uh, and in the end they just have a colourful turbo written. <laughs> think, yeah. Well, really, it's taken all that time to come up with that. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, yeah well, very much. It's, it's quite nice looking. It's all right. It's, yeah, I'll, it's, I'll, it's, I'll go on that. It's a nice enough looking logo. Um, it's reminiscent. I just thought, yeah, it's reminiscent of a, a lowercase e, and um, it's somewhat reminiscent of the style of the, you know, of the Mozilla icons. Other than that, I have nothing else to say on the matter. I mean, yeah. I mean, actually, it, it's if, not if you really, scroll down that page. If you yeah. scroll down that page, there's there's a picture of the new AirPods. Don't, don't you think they look a bit like hair dryers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I, I just, to be honest, I, I I thought the old ones did as well to some extent. Um, well, I suppose they do. They've got a long, uh, you know, a little a shank, haven't they? And then no, it's more yeah. the body, the shape of the body that kind of reminded me of a, of a hairdryer more than the uh, hairdryer. Yeah, there we are. Um, <laughs> what else have we? Sorry, got? I derailed the conversation completely. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, the rest of the show's been all over the shop. Why should we stop now? <laughs> um, uh, uh, Google are buying Fitbit. Um, for, I forget, quite a lot of, uh, some billions, which is good for Fitbit, because as far as I can tell, Fitbit have not been doing too well. Um, oh, right, okay. Android police say buying Fitbit won't save Google's failing Wear OS. Um, but uh, I'm not going to go into that really, but I mean, it's all about Fitbit have not been doing as, you know, so well of late. Um, they've not really very themselves... surprising because we've got lots of other Gizmos, including the Apple Watch, which give us lots and lots of fitness information these days. Yes, and do much, much, much more. Um, yes. And the, the Android police, are, you know, they're not particularly keen on um, on Google's Wear OS either. They think that that's not good as it ought to be. Um, I, so... rather like the, uh, I rather like the Apple advert, actually, for the watch recently, which says, and it tells the time. And it I tells thought, the time. Really that, quite... that was actually quite rather... clever. Yes. Look at this watch. Yeah, it tells good. the time. It does other things as well. You know, tells the time amongst <laughs> other things. Yeah. Yes. Well, because like to a large extent, it's a bit like our phones, which you know, making a phone call is now probably a long way down the list of things that it gets uh, used absolutely. for. And yeah. I think most people's Apple Watches telling the time is, you know, probably one of the least important functions that it does for most people. Uh, not for me. Yes. I use it so True. I can tell the time. To be honest, uh, but that's another matter. <laughs> Um, i do quite a lot as well yeah so i don't i don't really know i mean it it would seem that google uh you know are buying fitbit to uh acquire you know talent and possibly i suppose fitbit you know users um the wear os has not been doing particularly well i don't think um even you know google uh, Google supporting people don't seem particularly impressed with it. So um... yeah, I mean, quite a lot of the. I mean, Apple quite often, quite often does this, doesn't it? It buys the intellectual property rather than the rather than the device itself. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think. Um, um, no, I don't think they're buying it because they want to buy Fitbits per se. Um, I think they're buying it because they want to bring 
possibly merge together, you know, the talent and uh, in an attempt to um, improve their Wear OS for their own devices. Um, that's right. That's right. And that's good for us all. So. Well, it is good for us all because um, it, it's it's never great if you have, you know, if the only game in town realistically is the Apple Watch. We might choose to have the Apple Watch, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have somebody nipping at their heels. Um, no, absolutely. And let's face it, a lot of the changes that Apple make whenever they have a release... Um, I mean, the Apple, the Android fanboys would say, oh, you're just playing catch-up. We've already got that. And it's true. They probably have. But the fact is that that's the, pur- that's the purpose of having two different companies that are doing two different things. Precisely. Is that it drives that innovation. Um, you know, and they steal off each other or, you know, jump, leapfrog each other, if you will. Um, yeah, no, that's competition right. is good. Competition, uh, you know, you you need realistically, you need at least two viable, uh, you know, competing um, ecosystems to drive the thing forward. Yes, that's right. Um, Keeps everyone on their toes. Definitely, very much so. Um, you know, we've seen it happen a, a, a lot of times in tech, where where somebody becomes effectively the dominant player, and then they, they become fat and lazy, and um, yeah. Don't you know? Then they've got no one to keep them on their toes. Um, there's not a lot more, Nick, and we've been going quite a while. But um, this one is from Forbes. Now you know I don't like Forbes because they seem to be one of those negative um, companies. You know, writers, bunches yeah. of writers out there. Um, they, they, you know, often even in a completely unrelated article, will attempt to stick the boot into Apple. Um, they seem to have, for some reason, they've got some people who are very pro uh, Linux. Not that I've got a problem with that. Uh, but this one it, uh, is Windows Blue Keep attack that US government warned about is happening right now. Um, and this is basically um, a vulnerability in older versions of Windows. So um, we're talking XP and um, 7, uh, Vista, uh, Server 2008, those those sort of things. Uh, now, for us home, uh, you know, for most of us home users, that's like, so, like, who on earth is using this stuff? But, of course, as we know, those kind of um, older OSs are often propping up all sorts of infrastructure. Um, yes, certainly and, for companies. Yeah. Yes, uh, you know, and let's face it, you know, sorry to tell you this, uh, everybody in the world, but most of the ATMs, uh, you know, are Windows XP underneath. <laughs> um, yes, you know they they really are, um, and that sort of technology, you know, often takes a long, long time to uh, you know go away. Um, Microsoft themselves have twice warned users to update vulnerable Windows systems. Um, these appear to have gone unheeded in enough numbers to warrant an escalation on update alerts. The National Security Agency, uh, NSA of the the US took an unusual step of publishing an advisory urging Microsoft Windows administrators to update uh, their operating system or risk devastating and wide-ranging impact. Um, The US government via the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency issued an Update Now Activity Alert. Um, Now, by the way, they're they're not... Because of the sort of, uh, you know, infrastructure we're talking about, they're not actually saying here, you know, uh, drop Windows XP and go to Windows 10 or, you know, what they're talking about is update to the patched versions, uh, which will uh, prevent this Blue Keep exploit. 
So, um, oh, right, yeah, they're, they're not actually saying, you know, uh, you need to get a new version of Windows. What it says here, if you are using one of the vulnerable versions of Windows, what more is it going to take to get you to apply the update which will fix this vulnerability? I'd have thought a wormable exploit, even if it hasn't been wormed yet, which vampires your system resources or crashes your machine, was warning enough. But what do we know? So in that one, yes. Uh, no, you know, this is not a... Um, this is not a get rid of your old stuff and buy shiny new, you know, stuff from Microsoft. This is, please, for the good of everybody, could you apply the security update that uh, Microsoft are urging you to apply, please, for everybody's sake? Um, there we go. So, actually, for once, a story from Forbes I can uh, applaud and not go boo, hiss, boo. Um, very unusual. You'd be surprised how, um, how difficult it can be sometimes to for a company to apply patches. Um, I, I, I work, uh, I think I've said before, I work for a water company uh, in their IT department and the guy sits next to me has been desperately chasing down laptops that haven't connected to the network for quite a while to get them upgraded. Mm. Uh, and he's having such difficulty doing it because the, the type of business we have, um, uh, people are often out on fairly remote sites. They have no internet connection. And they may have a laptop they were given, but they might not have touched it for six months. And um, just keeping stuff up to date is is a constant battle for uh, for even fairly small companies. Yep, yep, that is that is true. That is true. Um, I, however, I don't. They don't um, explain in that article exactly where these systems are being deployed. But I would, from the sound of it, if the you know if the National Security Agency and the you know the U.S. Cyber Security Force or whatever are, are concerned, I would assume that they are systems that run you know important barely, th- important big, stuff. big, big yeah. important <laughs> things like you know water distribution or electricity uh, or something who knows, who knows? Yeah. but yeah things that you would think probably could be patched um rather more simply um what else have we got on the security side um the encrypted email service proton mail uh you know my one my mail of choice uh, uh is open sourcing open sourcing its mobile apps uh this is on venture beat um, they are open sourcing their mobile apps at the moment. That's iOS. Uh, the Android ones will be apparently open sourced very shortly when they have finished um, doing whatever it is they need to finish doing before they open source them. Um, go over and read about it. It's a good thing. This is um, apparently mm. being done so that everybody can see how their Proton Mail works um, and that, that you know there can be a thousand eyes viewing the code, not just. Uh, Thing, and it's it's considered a big thing in the secure security world. Um, yeah, sounds good. And apparently they had um, an external security audit, and only you know seven seven minor things were found, which have now been uh, changed, which is good. They could look good. I like that. Um, and then this one, this one's on digital trends. This is quite strange. Um, this invisible photo filter protects you from facial recognition software, which is a um, a slightly misleading title, to be honest. Um, what this service has been developed by uh, some ex-Israeli uh, security uh, people, um, and what it does, uh, it says, machines are getting increasingly impressive at recognizing things. Um, an Israeli company has developed 
smart software which promises to help crack down on facial recognition technology being used against people in ways they may not be happy about. Um, what it says is, by replacing faces in videos or still images with nearly identical looking photorealistic portraits, uh, these faces look virtually indistinguishable from the real person to fellow humans, but are not identifiable by facial recognition technology. Um mm -hmm. Now, uh, I mean, there's a picture here, yes, you know, of the original person and then a de-identified one. Um, it, its main purpose, uh, by the way, when you when you kind of read the article, is, is not um, to defend yourself as such, but it's aimed at um, allowing companies to take videos or, you know, uh, bunches of photographs or whatever and analyze it for whatever it is they need to analyze but if they run this uh, run it through this software all of the faces will be replaced with these you know um ai generated facsimiles which cannot be identified because they are just machine even though they look to you and me the same as the original people yeah. The, uh, the, so effectively what they're saying, you know, researchers can take video, I don't know, you know, of just a load of people walking down the street, for example, and then run it through this software, which will replace all the faces with AI generated faces. Um, and then they can use it to do whatever they're doing, because none of the people can be uh, identified with facial recognition. Oh, I see. Um, That's clever, isn't it? It's clever. Yeah. So the, the headline is somewhat... Um, well, I mean, it's true, but it it's, it doesn't do, um, you know, that's not its point. Uh, the best way to do it is to go and read it because it's um, <laughs> it, it's not the easiest thing to uh, describe. Uh, the, the pictures are quite, um, there's a little video in here saying removing, um, you know, personally identifying information and facial other facial features. Um, and there's a couple of pictures which, yeah, you'd have to study really, really hard to see that they weren't the same person, I think. Yeah. Um, intriguing. I was intrigued by that. Uh, it's not when it says protecting you uh, from facial recognition software. It, it sort of. It's not something you can use yourself. It is something that people are using so that they cannot be accused of uh, using facial recognition yes. software. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sort of yeah uh, for analysts and whatnot to use, and therefore say no, we can't identify anybody because we ran it through this software. Um, what else? That's probably pretty much it. Oh, the, the, the snippet, the snippet. I, I came across this one on The Verge. A critical analysis of scroll bars throughout history. Um, a 30-year visual history of scroll bars. Well, uh, someone's got plenty of time on their hands. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually quite a, you know, it, yeah, quite a fun little, um, quite a fun little article. Um, showing you basically the uh, evolution of scroll bars um oh yeah quite nice yeah that is just quite a snippet quite, a, quite an interesting little thing um vivaldi have released um or are, will be releasing i believe version 2.9 that's their browser with um a whole load of changes to the menu uh, architecture allowing customizable menus and whatnot or at least on windows and uh linux i'm not sure about the mac uh, and a load of other changes uh so if you're into Vivaldi, you could um, go check that out. It's a very nice browser. Um, and I've got a link here to an affordable Apple Pencil rival on the cult of Mac. Um, cheaper than an Apple Pencil, but it doesn't necessarily work with every piece of software out there. So you pays your money and you takes your choice, I think. Um, overall, I thought um sounded like quite an interesting um, 
piece of hardware. When did they when did they introduce the Apple Pencil? So I've got an iPad Pro, the first one, the uh, 13-inch one. I don't right. think that works with the Apple Pencil. I think well, it was after that, wasn't it? Well, a Pro, all the Pros work with the Pencil. Do they? Hmm. Even, even the very first one? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was that, because that was the whole point. I'm pretty sure, because the whole thing is that you can... Oh, uh, right. Yeah, you may be uh, right. The, the difference is that I'm just only... Bothered buying one. <laughs> well, no, I mean, unless you're in, you know, I unless you're into... anyway. If you're into, <laughs> unless you're into sketching or whatever, or, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people go, oh, well, it's good for writing notes. Uh, sorry, uh, you know, a 20p pencil and a 99p <laughs> piece, you know, reporter's pad will take notes. Thank you. I don't need to spend a thousand pounds on an iPad Pro and another hundred quid on a pencil. Um, don't get me wrong. If you know the the pencil, if you are, you know, if you sketch or draw or do any number of other things, I'm sure is fabulous tool. Um, yeah. So this this alternative is seventy dollars. Um, this alternative is so at the bottom pricing. Pricing sixty nine ninety nine. Uh, there's two. There's the pencil. They've got um. There's various. They've got various here. Um, let me get to the bottom. The Logitech yeah. Crayon sixty nine ninety nine. Yes, the Note Plus. Which is the uh, the the one they're suggesting? Add Adenit Note Plus, a re- suggested retail price of basically seventy dollars. Right, and, a replacement... and the original Ad- Adenit Note was fifty dollars. Yes, but that doesn't have uh, it doesn't have without pressure set has uh, no pressure sensitivity or tilt detection. Um, best for note taking, but it's only fifty dollars. Yes. Um, I have to say, for the same price, you could buy a Logitech crayon which does not have pressure sensitivity um but i'm pretty sure because that was sanctioned by apple probably works on more devices um yeah whatever you know uh pays your money and he takes your choice um indeed i have to say it does look like quite a nice stylus if you like that sort of thing i mean it's it's competing with the apple pencil and the apple pencil 2 which of course are both a hundred dollars or more so um could be a viable alternative to for some people. There we go. Uh, that's on the cult of Mac. That one. Uh, so that's their review. And I think we're probably done. So after all that, Nick, uh, tell the people where you can be found. Uh, you can find me on Twitter occasionally uh, at Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Uh, and occasionally I'm on Bart's show as well over at uh, Let's Talk Apple. Yep. Um, I, I will be on Bart's show, um, which is recording Monday. So, uh, yeah, look out for that, people. And it quite likely be out before this show because he does a very, you know, simple edit while I faff about with this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yes, you can find me, of course, on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, the show is at Essential Apple uh, stuff on the website uh, at essentialapple.com. As I say, uh, yeah, we have had a couple of articles on there recently. So if you haven't been over recently, go over and take a look. Um, No new reviews. Um, <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not going to get into doing that every week, but no, uh, you know, if you'd like to write us a review, you know, we would be very pleased to receive it. Thank you very much. Um, thank you to all if, the slackers. Even if it's only, even, even if it's only, you know, who is this Bligosh guy anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a pair of Muppets. One star. <laughs> there we go. Um, 
Uh, where was I? Uh, thank you to all the slackers. Thank you to everybody in the slack room. Uh, you know, without whom half these stories wouldn't, uh, you know, be dug up. Um, don't forget, uh, Mac Jim has his Flickr group uh, link in the show notes if you're interested in, uh, you know, photography. Uh, what else? If you want to join the Slack, follow the link in the show notes. Um, and I think that's probably about it. Thank you to everybody who supports the show, of course, uh, by Patreon or Pinecast Tips Jar or in, you know, other ways. Just tweeting out when we put out shows or telling other people this show is not complete rubbish. Um, that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh yeah i think uh, there's enough of us i think there's enough i think i should shut up and uh, end the show so uh until next week uh nick and i will say goodbye 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 you've been listening to the essential apple podcast and i'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie. again another time. Until then, goodbye.